1: Good day from California. Welcome to the Anything Possible podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Courtney. I'm a veterinary surgeon, former co-host of Pet Talk on Nat Geo Wild, host of Vet Candy Watch, and I'm just an all-around pet lover. As many of you already know, this is a podcast where we celebrate the fact that everywhere you look, there is the beauty of the human-animal bond, and that bond influences our everyday lives. And lucky for me, I get to talk to some of the most fascinating and engaging people. Where we explore the strength and the depth of that human-animal bond. What does it feel like to fight a war without ammo? That's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, as a young veterinarian, I remember the week that my hospital was bombarded by a parvovirus outbreak. I was working in Long Beach and although I believe it was only 10 or 14 days of misery, I remember there were times during that mini epidemic that I saw close to five to 10 parvovirus cases every single day for multiple days in a row. And as I'm sure many of you are aware, parvovirus in dogs is a cruel disease that mainly attacks rapidly dividing cells in the intestine. This virus causes severe vomiting, diarrhea, extreme dehydration, and sadly, many do die. And in a particular twist of cruelty, it goes after the most vulnerable, puppies and the unvaccinated. To treat a puppy in the throes of this virus, they usually require intensive hospitalization, medications, and an all-hands-on-deck approach to their nursing care. But because of the acute influx of cases, we just didn't have enough fluid pumps, kennels in the isolation ward, or even the person power to deal with all of these sick puppies. But we got through it. Many puppies survived, and unfortunately, some didn't. But in the end, we won many more battles than we lost. That experience was traumatic, but it was informative. It reinforced the importance that you need the proper tools to do the job, and this is particularly important in the healthcare setting. The need for proper tools is even more acute when it comes to the fight against infectious disease. And that's what many human healthcare and some veterinary health care workers are facing in the fight against coronavirus, COVID-19. The heroes of this crisis are the nurses, the doctors, and other healthcare workers who are on the front lines. And they need the tools, the ammo of sorts, to fight this disease. With coronavirus cases soaring, doctors and nurses and other frontline medical workers across the United States are confronting a dire shortage of masks, surgical gowns, and eye gear to protect them from the virus. Doctors have expressed soaring anxiety and fear that they could not only expose themselves to the virus, but their families and others. And, And many doctors have reported to perform risky procedures like intubation without N95 respirators or protective eye gear. And because of the shortage, they don't have a way to protect themselves or their patients. And even more tragically, some healthcare workers in in New York, in fact, were pictured using hefty garbage bags for personal protective equipment. This shortage is so severe. And now that they're turning to crowdsourcing and the benevolence of other healthcare institutions, institutions like veterinarians and veterinary professionals that use this protective equipment They have begun donating their inventory to medical professionals to help them with the shortage. Today, we're going to talk to one of those incredible organizations that have lent a helping hand in the face of this crisis. They are already making a big difference, and they hope to make an even bigger impact. But before we do that, let's pause for a brief moment. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a life-saving veterinary organization that not only regularly saves animal lives but it's also helping this human lives right now. And I'm super excited to speak to them. And I know you will be too. So stay with me and I'll be right back in a moment. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, we're back. We're about to talk to an exciting guest, particularly in the veterinary healthcare industry, who's doing really philanthropic and benevolent work. But before we get to our exciting guest I want to be sure to let everyone out there know how to get in contact with me. If you have any questions, thoughts or topic discussions, you can reach me at Dr. Courtney DVM on Twitter, Instagram and of course right here on Pet Life Radio. Questions with positivity and love will get answered with priority, but not exclusivity, so I'll pretty much answer anything. Today I'm joined by Mr. Gene O'Neill, who is the CEO of the North American Veterinary Community, otherwise known as NAVC. Gene has been with NAVC since August of 2013, and he has a rich and diverse background leading other large organizations. He has a deep history in the finance industry, having served as the manager, controller, and vice president of the Institute of Internal Auditors, helping to develop and deliver benefits to over 72,000 members across the U.S., Canada, and the Caribbean. Adding to his varied array of leadership positions, Gene spent 10 years with SeaWorld of Florida and eight years as the general manager of Baseball City Sports Complex, the spring training site of the Kansas City Royals. Gene joined NABC in 2013 as the chief financial officer and is now the chief executive officer. In his six short years with NABC, he revolutionized and reimagined NAVC's portfolio to become the largest publisher in the veterinary space. He's created new divisions within the NAVC, certification programs, a service organization to help smaller veterinary organizations, and a recruiting tool to find other talented veterinarians. In one phrase, he is an ambitious advocate for the veterinary health industry. So I just want to welcome Gene O'Neill to a podcast. Thank you, Mr. O'Neill. I really appreciate you joining me.
0: Oh, thank you, Courtney, for having me. It's uh, a real pleasure to be here.
1: Excellent. And we did talk offline a little bit. You did give me permission to call you Gene, so I don't want people to think I'm being rude, but it's awesome to have you, man. Listen, we always do something here on Anything Possible. We call it Set the Scene, where we just give us where you set the scene of how you basically grew up, where you grew up, and if at any point throughout your upbringing, you developed an interest or loved animals in any way.
0: Sure. So I, I grew up in the great state of New Jersey, born and bred there and moved to uh, Florida sometime in the mid 80s, but went to, uh, went to school, worked in Manhattan, did the whole job thing there. You know, as a kid in Jersey, it was, um, you know, pets weren't as extensive as they are nowadays. You know, a, a pet was something you would found on the street, you know, stray dog, stray cat. So I've had my fair share of stray dogs throughout my childhood. But that continued as we moved to Florida. My background is, like you said, it's in finance, but it's it's more of a diverse finance. and just the debits and credits type of accountant. I I held more managerial positions uh, that really allowed me to broaden my skills to be able to be in a position where I'm in in now. You know, I always say that when I hear somebody call me a bean counter, you know, I've been in positions where it, it wasn't just counting beans. You know, I had to know where the beans were grown.
1: I right. That, well, that's what I want to know in terms of accounting. Is that right. a pejorative term? Is bean counter a pejorative term? Or is that something you say tongue in cheek that we said it with love?
0: Yeah, tongue in cheek. Okay. Mostly you're the money guy. God, you know, You're the it. guy that says no, right? But, but I think my experience really, and, and just, to, just to lay it out here for your, uh, for your audience, yes, I'm not a vet, but I do run an association, a uh, tremendous association that, that educates veterinarians. But in order to get there, you know, you have to get into a position where you can learn about the industry. And, and as you said in your opening, I have run other associations, different uh, industries. So you have to learn what they need. And, and that's, the, that's the key thing there is getting into what the needs of the industry are, what the, what the professional needs are, which is you know, difficult at times. But once you get into it and a, a topic like this, where everyone loves animals, everyone, it seems, has a pet. And you want to do the best you can to educate those that take care of these for, for everyone. But so, so my background has led me to that point where I can at least feel comfortable at the helm of an association like this, where I can learn all of, the, all of the different facets of the organization when you get into the education streams and the platforms and the marketing and the advertising. You know, all that stuff comes together to give this great product that we have go to our website anytime you can see what we do at nabc.com and you can see all the, the really diverse programs that we have in our portfolio. So, you know, not a vet, accountant by trade, but I, I guess somewhere in the middle there, always an animal lover and want to make sure that we at NAVC do the best that we can to, uh, to take care and make sure that animals are kept safe and healthy.
1: You know, listen. This is a first for anything possible—is not having somebody who's intimately related to the clinical environment, or basically a veterinarian, a veterinary nurse, uh, a scientist. You know, and this is something that I really want to celebrate and and talk about because none of this happens for free. None of this happens for free. We have these incredible ed- continuing education seminars, these huge conferences, and particularly something that you are doing as a philanthropic effort. All of this addresses need. And because you have such a strong background in need and understanding need, immediately on the forefront of everybody's mind is the need for personal protective equipment and surgical masks. And because there's those PPEs are influenced by international regulations, public health departments, state and federal regulations, that it tends to bottleneck. And therefore, in crisis like what we're experiencing right now, people are turning towards organizations like yourselves. Talk to me about how your background in understanding need and understanding supply and demand has helped you contribute to this crisis?
0: Sure. So going back to my most recent history in, in my profession, it's always been in the customer service industry, in the hospitality industry. And there you're always trying to exceed expectations, not just meet expectations. And so you're always reaching out to your customer the attendee, the registrant, to, to ask them, what do, they, what do they want? And it's not a matter of just answering the question, what they want, but sometimes telling them what they, what they want as well. Sometimes persuading them that here is what we think that you really need in your industry, in your profession, in your daily life. And that's what we try to get to the root of is trying to get the balance between what they say they need and what we can provide as well as telling them what we think they need as well. So in, in these days, in recent headlines that you see going on, it's a shame what you see in the in the supply chain for things that people in the profession are saying they need. And to be able to sit back now and have the ability to help out, believe me, it's a small gesture, but it goes a long way with what we've done with the donation that we made recently from, for all the the PPE that we had. And, and this is materials that we've collected over the past couple of years. We do have this one event that we put on that unfortunately this year we had to cancel. It's a great hands-on learning opportunity for those in the veterinary profession, veterinary professionals to, to get really hands-on with, with uh, surgical techniques, with uh, laboratory techniques, and we bring them down here to Florida to teach them all that. Well, this equipment that they would use during these hands-on workshops, we thought would be better put to use at this time rather than waiting till next year to use them at our next event. Obviously, the bigger need is right now, right? And we're hearing the the, the voices out there telling us what they need. We're reading the headlines. This was just a, our way of saying, hey, we can help you. We hear you and we can help you with this stuff and put it to good use, put it to the best use that you could right now rather than having us wait until next year to use it. So
1: So, just so I'm clear, and I I certainly don't want to bury the lead here, but just so I'm clear, you had a scheduled event and once it was canceled, I'm sure there were a lot of forlorn faces and people who were sad. But what you did is you took some negative news that a huge event was canceled and you turned that into something really positive and really bright. Am I understanding that you
0: repurposed all of those materials that you had for that canceled event to help those in need? That's exactly right. We repurposed everything. Like I said, normally we would hold the small inventory for ourselves because we do prepare for the event as it comes up. But everything that we have, or we had, we gave and we donated it. Do, do you we, have we any
1: idea on the, the scope or the size and how many you donate? Or that's it's impossible to know. Either no, by I, dollar amount or number amount. Do you have any idea?
0: Dollar amount, it was probably in excess of $10,000. Whoa. And, and we're talking about everything that you would think about for – the personal protective uh, equipment. There's, you know, the, the masks, the, the gowns, the shoe covers. Right. You know, everything like that. But there's, you know, thousands of those were donated. So, uh, you know, in, in, in some of the headlines you read now where they're re- Reusing face masks on a daily basis rather than right, just,
1: I heard one doctor right. was using the same face mask three days in a row
0: right rather than just on a patient basis where they change now they 're changing every day or maybe every couple of days, but so we had a lot of equipment we had you know surgical gowns, headgear, I said gloves, and you know so, so it was everything that we, that you would normally when you bring your dog or your pet to a veterinarian, your vet and they would bring him into the examining room or into the into the surgi- surgical suite. Any equipment that they would have, any personal protection equipment they would be wearing is what we had in store. So all of that was repurposed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because you, you are seeing this, basically this new normal or this change in the expectation when pet parents bring their dog to the veterinarian. They may see a veterinary nurse come out to the parking lot instead of in the hospital to retrieve their dog, donned in personal protective equipment, and then all of the collars, leashes, harnesses are removed, and that hospital's leash is placed on your pet and then brought into the hospital. Doctors examine them in the hospital and then give you a call instead of coming out to talk to you. And so some of that warm and fuzzy feeling of the appointment, Sometimes that's lost just in trying to be responsible right. during this crisis. Have you heard any stories like that just in the, among the veterinary community on how different veterinarians are handling the crisis? Or potentially, have you had any personal experience with the veterinary healthcare community saying, wow, this really has changed?
0: It is changing, Courtney, and it's not what it used to be even a month ago. Or a month and a half ago, right? It, it's changed that rapidly in 90 days, less than 90 days. Where you're right now, they're they're maybe even allowing only only a, a visitor at a time into the waiting room, or the curbside pickup, which is which really goes sort of against the fear-free, if you will, the fear-free theory that I hear you, you know, trying to make every visit to the, the hospital or the clinic a more compassionate one for the pet, a more calming one for the pet. You know, now they're they're thrust into this situation where they're out of their norm as well. Hey, even with stay at home, even with working from home, professionals now their their pets are sitting around looking at them like, well, you know is this Saturday again? You know, Correct. is this Correct. you know what are I you doing? That, here? I you think know? that's
1: a really important point you're making. I think that the care and the anxiety and the sort of mental health space with pets is kind of lost in this conversation in that I get it, of course, you know, the, the fact that there are people who are getting really sick and unfortunately people are dying from this disease, but the sort of the, how it reverberates throughout the communities, particularly the veterinary health industry and the, the care and well-being of the pet, I think that's also getting lost in conversation. So I'm certainly happy right. that you brought right. that up.
0: And there are some good news stories coming out of it as well. Uh, I've read some articles about some of the hot spots like New York and L.A. where where they don't have any pets in, in shelters. And, and people are – so the adoption rates have gone up because of the work from home and the, and, and, and the self-quarantine. Uh, you know, they're all going to get their own pet now. So there are some good news stories coming out of this as well.
1: No doubt. And we know that when we hear the term emotional support animal during a crisis like right. this or when you are isolated or quarantined, Pretty much every animal is an emotional support animal. I mean, if you are at all sort of older or let's say you're middle-aged or even young and your life is spent you know, in isolation because you're at home trying to be responsible in this crisis and your pet becomes really, really close to you.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. There's that bond. There's that uh, it's a human-animal bond is, is, <laughs> is what we're talking about here and it extends the life of both the pet and the, and the pet owner.
1: Absolutely. Now, one thing I definitely wanted to talk about is that human-animal bond, particularly because you had mentioned, hey, things are changing. In 90 days, they just have changed so much and they weren't the same a month or two months ago. And what I have been referring to this as the COVID era. And the reason I use the term era is because what I'm referencing is that things will fundamentally change the way we do business, the way we interact with each other usually do change when you have huge events like this. And sometimes there are tragedies that will cause people to change. Do you feel that the interactions between the veterinarian and the client or just the veterinary client relationship will change after this area? And I'm specifically referencing telemedicine
0: telemedicine, yes. I certainly hope so, because I think there's a lot of opportunity with that. I know the federal guidelines have been relaxed a little bit during this period, you know, where you can... Now, these are four instances where you already have a VCPR in place, so you can't establish one with a veterinarian if you don't have one already through telemedicine. So... But just th- so
1: that everybody knows, VCPR. I assume you're referencing veterinary client patient relationship. Yes, exactly. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yes. Describe for us how NAVC is involved in the telemedicine space in the veterinary industry.
0: So, so what we do here is we have this one collaborative initiative that we started called the Veterinary Veterinary Innovation uh, Council, and it's really representatives of the industry, the uh, the the, the the pet industry, whether it's health or pharma or academia. So we get together on a periodic basis to, to discuss the hot topics of the day as it comes to animal medicine, animal health, and one of the one of the initiatives that they've undertaken, and they're still working on it, so nothing has been finalized with this yet, is the telehealth uh, issue. So that's how NADC has coordinated this effort. We are still working on getting some guidelines and, and getting some other materials together from all of our participants. But it's, it's, as you know, it's growing. The need for it is growing and each state would have their own Regulations over it, but right now it's you know for this period of time, I think it's really a big benefit because one of the things that we see also, and and as uh, as you well know, one of the big stressors in the veterinary profession is this just adds to the stressors. So they have these other stressors in place for them already, whether whether it's student debt or turnover or or hours in their clinic. You know, now they have another stressor with this. COVID-19 and and all the implication it has on them. So to be able to provide some support through telemedicine is only a benefit for them. It relieves that stress now of having that one patient in in the office at a time or the reduced amount of time you can spend with the client. So, you know, the the telehealth is a big initiative that will continue to push forward to see if we can get this uh, broad-based support.
1: Not only is it important to discuss, and I really applaud your efforts in, in helping to establish some guidelines, I mean, even on the human side, as far as physicians, they're trying to figure it out. I mean, they're talking about helping to allay certain patients' fear, whether, you know, if they have a fever or does, you know, that cough need antibiotics or does it need just more time to resolve? And even just something as far as a skin rash, does it need topical cream over the counter or does that need to be biopsied? Things like that. And I think in veterinary medicine, the challenges are even slightly more interesting and more complex because obviously our patients can't Describe to us exactly the way that they're feeling. So I think that the guidelines that you're bringing up are are super important. Yeah. Have you seen just in these organizations and meetings and the Veterinary Innovation Council have they seen a strong uptick in telemedicine and telehealth within the veterinary community?
0: You know, so j- just from some of our own uh, board members, we're hearing the conversation start to tar- start to elevate about using it more in clinics and using more in their own practices. I haven't had any. Uh, instances of where it's it's actually being deployed, but there's certainly more of an awareness now and and more of a concentrated focus and interest to get something started. So, awesome. um, so yeah, I, I, you know it's 2020, you know, and um, you know to have some sort of technique or procedure you, you can do, and you can't do it all. I mean, obviously, there's times when you need to be hands on an animal that you can't do it all, but that should be. Written in the guidelines, that should be under the veterinarian's own discretion, what is, you know, what, what they can do through telehealth and what they can't do.
1: Well, this sounds like the future of medicine, but for a second, what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about the past because in very short time, you have expanded NAVC's portfolio in terms of their impact in the veterinary community. But I'd like to pause for a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, would you mind talking to me just about NAVC's portfolio? Absolutely. Excellent. All right. We'll be right back.
0: My dog, Mojo, was half beagle and half coonhound. He ate everything in sight. He would swallow things whole, including a chicken carcass, a bird nest with a bird in it, and assorted stones and sticks.
1: We had to take him to the veterinary emergency room. After surgery, Mojo had skin issues. He was constantly itching and scratching, chewing on his feet, and chewing the hair right off of his legs being irritated, lethargic, and just not the same dog.
0: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
1: When we put him on the Dynavite, he took right to it. All of these symptoms disappeared.
0: Dynavite is nutrition. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy.
1: Something that he actually likes to eat. You need to put him on Dynavite. Dynavite for life. If you love your dog, you don't just want him healthy, you want him to be happy. <laughs> you won't believe how happy your dog will be. DinoVite dot Let's talk pets.
0: Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
1: PetLifeRadio dot Pet com. <laughs> And we're back. We're talking with uh, the CEO of NAVC, Gene O'Neill, who's uh, just been talking a lot about philanthropic efforts, particularly in the fight against coronavirus, COVID 19, donating a lot of personal protective equipment or repurposing it from an event that was uh, canceled, which is absolutely incredible. And we also touched on telemedicine and telehealth and how that is proliferating throughout the veterinary health industry. But I'd like to, Gene, if you don't mind, I'd love to talk a little bit about NAVC in general because I'm just going to be honest with you. It was my first time going to VMX this year and it was absolutely (laughs) fantastic conference. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And I know that there's some veterinarians thinking, really? It was your first time? How come you haven't been before? I don't know. A lot of times it's, uh, a lot of times there is a priority placed on these surgical meetings, right? ACVS or uh, VOS, Veterinary Orthopedic Society. So, you know, you do go to these meetings and you only have a certain amount of time, but I had the opportunity to go to VMX and I was just blown away, not only in its scope of how large it is, but a lot of veterinarians in the uh, media space who I only had met online. I actually got to see them in person. So it was a very interesting reunion, a reunion of sorts. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, because of course I've got personal anecdotes for days, but I'd love to hear from you. Why should everybody attend VMX?
0: Well, (laughs) I can talk for hours about why they should, but let me just keep. Let me just give you the, uh, the highlights. So VMX is the, the gem in our crown. It's the program in our portfolio that really NAVC was built on. It started over 30 years ago as a round table with some veterinarians out of the University of Florida It expanded from there year after year. Then they started to bring more and more people in. So when I came in to the organization in 2013, I think we had maybe eight or 9,000 attendees at the event. I think we had uh, maybe four or 500 exhibitors, a couple of workshops. And in that short period of time, in the six years, we've grown to over, um, over 700 exhibitors, uh, almost three quarters of a million square feet of exhibit space, 900 sessions that you could attend. Uh, there's 350 or so speakers, internationally renowned speakers on, on their specialties more than 1,200 hours of CE is available for all the attendees to, to get. So, so this event is the event. And if you ask anyone in the industry, they will say that if you are going to attend any event, BMX is the event to attend. Because not only is it just about the attendees, but there's so much collaboration between the industry as well. They're all there representing their, their own companies and they're talking about new products, new techniques that are coming out. You know, we have different areas on our exhibit floor for the, the innovative products that are being launched. So it, it really gives the attendees the sense that, yes, I'm coming here for CE, but this is more of an experience where I can network with my, with my peers to understand what they're going through understand what the industry is seeing based on their reports. So this event is the one event that if you were going to get any CE in person, and and we are not the only CE company out there, but we do have the largest CE educational program in the world, and this is it. Who wouldn't want to be in Orlando in January anyway?
1: Absolutely. I, when I lived in Orlando, Maitland, to be exact, they, they said, you know, you will discover why Florida is so great once you live through one winter in Orlando, Maitland. And I said, oh, okay, what's it like? And literally every day is perfect. So I, yeah. get, I get what you mean. The winters yeah. are absolutely incredible. And you're right as far as the sea is concerned. You basically need a pedometer just because you're going to be getting in a lot of walking and exercise going to a lot all of these events. But if you're more of a sedentary person, let's say you're not interested in walking as much, there's Vetfolio. Talk to me a little bit about Vetfolio because, you know, we're all super busy and in between lunch breaks, we kind of want, or in between lunch breaks or after a busy day, we want to be able to sit down, relax and get some uh, CE. Vetfolio as an online CE platform, you know, have you seen a strong interest in that?
0: More recently, yes. We have seen an uptick in our subscription base for it. And basically what it is, it, it's a platform for online learning where you can get CE for attending different sessions on everything from sports medicine related or, you know, UTI and dogs. You know, every species is covered, you know, from exotics to small animals, large animals, animals in the food chain. So it covers a vast array of topics and just about every species when it comes to animals and it's refreshed almost on a weekly if not daily basis with new content. We're really? Always, new we're content always, daily? Always searching for new content that's out there whether it's sub, whether it's sponsored content or content that we load up there from our events or even some of our international partners have events. So we have we have some partners that we have uh, in South America that we upload some of their content and it's in you know Spanish content. So we're trying to get as much as we can in one place for everyone to get what they need, and especially at a time like this. And we recognize the need for CE, and we know that some of the states have relaxed their requirements, have relaxed their renewal dates, which is a great thing, because the last thing that you know anyone in the veterinary profession wants to do right now is worry about hitting deadlines for meeting their CE. So once that was relaxed, we relaxed also the, uh, the ability for getting on behind our wall. So we have free CE that we've offered now for for some of the, for anyone who wants to get on Vetfolio to learn about anything. We've offered some opportunities for free CE as well. Knowing what the vets are going through, what the technicians are going through during this period, we don't want them to be stressed about something else. So here's a place they can go to get, you know, CE that they need.
1: That's fantastic. You know, I think about folio, you had mentioned the Veterinary Innovation Council. It also mentioned VMX and it's just how it's just grown exponentially over the years. You know, as far as NAVC being so massive, you know, is bigger always better? What are some of the, the major challenges that NAVC has going forward with all of these different platforms?
0: Yes. Is it a challenge? Absolutely. So when I first started, we had our conference, we called it the conference at the time, and we had the institute. We had two events and that was pretty much all we had in our portfolio. And right now we have three in, in-person events. We've had an e-commerce event that's in person. We have our institute and BMX, of course. We've also grown our publication division. We we purchased our first magazine back in 2015, which was today's veterinary practice. And oh, since yes. then,
1: yes, yes. See, that's in every break room in, in the country. Right? Yes,
0: right. So we, we purchased that back in 15, and right now we're up to six publications. Wow. You know, some are published every other month. Some are uh, every quarter. You know, we we also started some other programs that are ancillary to what we do to help out the profession, like Retriever. Retrievers—it's almost like a job board that matches skill sets with uh, job openings around the country. So
1: interesting, it, as as you know. And listen, my heart goes out to all these new graduates you know who are coming out of school in the midst of this crisis. But for those you know, once this comes down and once you can get back to more normalcy, tell me again what's the name of that recruiting tool that you can put good people with good jobs? What's the name of that? It's called
0: Retriever.
1: Retriever. Okay, excellent.
0: You can go to com and see all of these programs and okay. and uh, services that we provide. But that's, again, that was new last year. We rolled this out last year. And um, I think, you know, Betfolio and Retriever, I think we're going to see a large uptick in in the usage of those two platforms, shortly.
1: Yeah, not only that, but I have to know because I'm a news junkie. Talk to me a little bit about Spark. Do you does does NBC right. have a as have a, a news division going on?
0: So Spark was started with that concept in mind. It was uh, meant to be sort of like the CNN of veterinary news. So when they were breaking breaking reports on mergers or acquisitions or new products or new techniques, the idea was to have it relayed through Spark. You would go to our 24-7 news channel and get these updates. Now, we have adjusted a little bit because we're not at that point yet. I think we'll still get there. But we still have content on there that is all video content, and whether it's our own generated content or someone else's generated content by a sponsor, you know, and it's all the same type of content that you would see if you went to a conference or even if you went to Betfolio, you know, but it's all in video form which is a great format to learn for some. You know, they're not just always reading, they're listening. So Spark, I think, will get to the point where we wanted to get at some point because we do get lots of information on a daily basis, and we put out a lot of information that we get on a daily basis. We have other reports that we do that we distribute through our community. You know, I think last year we touched between all of our products over 500,000 people in the veterinary profession. So that's a lot of people. You know, between our conferences and our publications and our website and portfolio, to be able to say that you had five hundred thousand people touching on those things is pretty impressive.
1: I'd say that is insanely impressive. It, but it's needed, and it sounds like you know, just in just listening to you, like I said, you are an ambitious advocate for the veterinary healthcare industry, and you just want to continue to do more. And I anticipate that you'll continue to grow despite the changing climate. Yeah, that's happening right now. And despite going forward, I can see that your goals are to continue to expand NAVC's reach. And I think that that's uh, absolutely fantastic and beautiful. Thank you so much for just describing to me a little. Listen, we, well, could, we could talk even for longer, you know, regarding the NAVC, but I really want to be honest with you. There's so much that we could cover because you guys are so large. Is there anything that you want just young veterinarians to know about the NAVC in general who are coming out of school or who are wondering, hey, should I check out, you know, NAVC.com? You know, what could they offer me? You know, is there any message that you have to
0: them? Absolutely, because we do cherish the the students as they're coming out of school, because we know how much of a struggle it is for them to get started and all of the stressors that they have getting into the profession. So first of all, yes, check out NAVC.com for what we have. Second thing that we've done and will continue to do, is students are free at VMX. So that takes a, a burden off their shoulders to worry about.
1: Students happening. are free at VMX. I think We're everybody free. just perked up when you said the word free. So,
0: so we'd love to have them. We'd love to have them participate and contribute. That will be continuing. But you know, just let them know that we, are, we, we have a wealth of information for them as they continue on through their career, and no matter what it is, what, no matter what specialty it is, generalist, we have different platforms for learning for them, and we're there as a great resource for them. The one thing I will say, Courtney, if you can just give me one more second here about uh, when you said walking around our exhibit hall, you need pedometer, we started this new program this year called VMX Virtual, which allows those who either can't get to the exhibit hall or each exhibitor during the conference or can't get to the conference at all, they will be allowed to, to visit all the exhibitors virtually so we're setting up a virtual exhibit hall for them to visit their favorite vendor or you know to order supplies or just ask questions about their products so that's something that we rolled out this year as well so you won't be walking as much if you uh, if you take advantage of VMX Virtual.
1: Oh, that's nice addition there. That is really cool. I will say, for me, it's kind of exhilarating to see just how, how the expansive nature of all the CE programs and meet friends and colleagues along the way just by happenstance. So there is that exhilarating feeling. But if you can't be there, then uh, the VMX Virtual is such a welcome addition to those who can't yes. have that experience. So wonderful, wonderful job. Gene, wow, you covered a lot of ground, man, and I'm just so—I just want to thank you for the excellent work you're doing, and particularly your philanthropic efforts uh, in the midst of this crisis. But also, you know, even like we said, once this is calmed down, just NAVC in general. Thanks so much for providing veterinary professionals with outstanding CE and the the extensive nature of the platforms.
0: Absolutely, it's our pleasure.
1: Excellent, and thanks for joining me. Listen, uh, folks, that was. You know, incredible conversation. Gene, I just want to thank you again for joining the podcast. I hope that you could come back for round two if you're interested.
0: I'm interested. Let's do it. All
1: right. Fantastic. Excellent. Thanks, Gene. Thanks to Gene. And everybody listening, you know, when it comes to crisis management, I think it takes an all hands on deck approach. And just, it's nice to know that the veterinary industry and veterinary health professionals are extending a helping hand to the human medical profession, because we're all in this together as a one health approach, helping to keep pets healthy, keep people happy and healthy. And if we can do that together, then it really underscores just the fact that we are just one planetary tribe just trying to stay healthy and AVC certainly understands that and as in general we got a chance to just talk about gene's background just growing up in, in new jersey of okay. all places and you know starting off in managerial he understands the need the need of veterinary professionals for outstanding ce and uh, understands the need that we have on a variety of platforms whether it's uh, that folio Uh, Whether it's Retriever as a recruiting tool, whether it's Spark and you know developing to be the CNN of news or their flagship enterprise VMX, which is incredible. Regardless of what it is, he got a chance to touch on all of those wonderful areas. So we want to thank Gene, and then tune in for more amazing episodes here on Anything Possible. You know there is nothing stronger than the human-animal bond. Let's talk pets.